Welcome to Cycling New South Wales Heritage Commission's podcast, the history of our wonderful sport. This podcast in June 2020 was produced in the COVID-19 pandemic when the world shut down to stop the spread of the virus. In local cycling, all race sanctions were withdrawn and even bunch riding was against the law. In an attempt to keep cycling competition alive, both Cycling New South Wales and Cycling Australia connected to virtual online cycling platforms such as Zwift and Full Gas to run computerised competitions with competitors racing on smart trainers in their homes. Stage 3 of the 2020 Full Gas Virtual Tour of Australia was around Bathurst Mount Panorama and this podcast will look at the history of cycle racing on the famous Bathurst Motor Racing Circuit which till now has been very understated as among other things Mount Panorama was directly linked to the birth of mountain biking in Australia. Road racing was completely stopped across the world. History will record that 2020 was a particularly busy year for cycling on Mount Panorama. Besides the virtual tour of Australia racing around the circuit in June, the long-running New South Wales State Hill Climb Championships were held and these doubled as a qualifier for the UCI World Age Group Time Trial Championships. Plus, 2,000 cyclists raced around Mount Panorama circuit in the 2020 UCI Grand Fondo World Series event the day before cycling closed down across the world. Here is Cycling New South Wales CEO Graham Sears and the manager of the UCI Grand Fondo World Series, Erwin Verwegen, talking about cycling events around Bathurst Mount Panorama Circuit in 2020. with the new course yeah oh happy yeah look to get an opportunity as a person who rides a bike yeah. and ride around Mount Panorama that you've watched on television for years yeah. and you're racing on it yeah. oh, for me that's like oh, a big goal and the day was good so and the circuit's sensation it's a challenge but hey you know that's why we do these things Yeah, I, it's the first time I, I went here because they're already part of the of the Grand Fondo World Series since 2017, uh, and this is really great. It's uh, it's challenging. It's it's uh, hard hard in the beginning, um, and and then coming back, it's uh, well the, the last part is a bit more downhill. So, but it's it's the right level. It was well organized. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. You're happy. Yeah. Prior to Mount Panorama, the old Vale Racing Circuit, just south of the current Mount Panorama track, hosted Australia's premier motorsport events, the Australian TT and Grand Prix, in the 1930s. The roads forming the old Vale Circuit had been used by Bathurst cyclists since the 1800s, with the Vale Circuit still used today for local cycling events, and it was also part of the 2020 Bathurst Cycling Classic. In 1938, motor racing moved from the Vale Circuit to Mount Panorama, or more accurately, Walu, as it was known by the traditional owners, the Riadri. It was an instant success, with 20,000 people flocking to Bathurst for the Mount Panorama's first motorsport event. However, before the first motorsport event, the local Bathurst League of Women Cycling Club were reportedly looking at running their Winnell Cup on the Mount Panorama circuit in late 1937. The race was scheduled for four laps of the circuit, but there is little evidence the event actually took place, with the local council getting involved in intense negotiations with local landholders Walter J. McPhillamy, Callahan and Storey, and Lee C.'s Bathurst broadcaster 2BS to secure control of the lands around Mount Panorama 
farmer to build the infrastructure to run a large motorsport event and satisfy the demands of the powerful Auto Cycle Union of New South Wales. Walu, or Mount Panorama, had become a political hot potato. Even the adjoining council, Abercrombieshire, getting involved. The New South Wales Minister for Local Government stepped in. He backed construction of the circuit and even suggested the public should not use Mount Panorama roads and the adjoining areas so the motor racing circuit could be fully created for the Easter 1938 motorsport opening. Clearly then, cycling was out of the question. Bathurst Council had gone out on a limb to totally commit to motor racing on Mount Panorama and history quickly points out that was a smart decision. As for cycling, well, the Bathurst League Cycle Club would show little interest in racing on Mount Panorama circuit after their earlier proposal. However, the 1930s were a unique time in Bathurst cycling, with two separate cycle clubs running strong senior programs in the city. The Bathurst Amateur Cycle Club had worked closely with the council to celebrate the city's 150th year anniversary and it would be the amateurs that would race the first cycle event on Mount Panorama, a two-lap cycling Grand Prix in May 1939. Race as a handicap, it would attract cyclists from throughout the region. Ben Sherman was quoted in the local press as the most improved rider in local amateur cycling, winning the 1939 Mount Panorama Cycling Grand Prix off 4 minutes 15 handicap. Setting up the win was his brother Harry, who had helped him catch the early leaders, Stan Wade and Bob Frisby. Riding off 1.5 minutes, Eric Doherty finished fast to take second, while the well-performed scratch marker Arthur Bennett flashed past Clive Osbert in the closing stages to take third and fastest time in the race. It was a breathtaking performance by Arthur Bennett, averaging less than 12.5 minutes a lap around Mount Panorama Circuit. He would hold the track record for some 45 years. Special mention to fourth place getter Clive Osbert, he would join the Navy ahead of World War II and after would return to become a very popular state member for Bathurst. He would also be the patron for the Bathurst cycling clubs for many years after. The Mount Panorama Cycling Grand Prix had been a real success, with the busy Amateur Cycling Club Secretary Charles Hodge putting plenty of work into the race, organising a number of sponsors, including three of the local bike shops, the William Street Mercers, the Burley Cafe and Larkin Brothers. And keen to make the race even more special, the club asked competitors to wear their best cycling attire to make the race a real spectacle. Then after the event, the club organised a dance at his cafe. The Bathurst Amateur Cycling Club was excited about racing on Mount Panorama. In fact, before the prizes for the first Mount Panorama cycling event were even presented, the club was arranging another event on the circuit with the E.J. Hughes Gold Cup cycle race scheduled for the following month. Then, excited amateur officials also planned a series of cycling events on the mountain, where the club seek permission to close the track between 3 and 5 p.m. one Saturday every month to host top cycling action, with flagmen at all the danger points on the circuit. However, by this time the Bathurst Council had formed a subcommittee to deal with all Mount Panorama business, and as you could imagine, their job was firstly to promote and develop motor racing on the Mount Panorama circuit, which again, history shows, was a very good idea. We have very little information on the actual council reply to the formal application by the cyclists to use Mount Panorama in 1939. But we do know that none of the proposed cycling events on Mount Panorama, including the E.J. Hughes Gold Cup, went ahead.
The use of Mount Panorama was controlled by charges imposed by the council to use the public road circuit. These charges were wavered for local motor racing, but cycling at this time missed out. And after that first 1939 Cycling Grand Prix, it would be a long time till we would see any cycle racing on Mount Panorama. I was just chasing up uh, some history on bike riding at Mount Panorama and I was wondering if you knew of any bike races up at Mount Panorama over your time. That was Ted Green, winner of the 1953 Arthur Tooby Shield and part of the administration team of the Bathurst Pro Cycling Club in the early 1950s under then-president Father Leo Grant. Ted would also be part of the administration team of the Bathurst Pro Cycling Club in the early 1970s under Buddy Winslet. Yet while the powerful Bathurst Pro Cycling Club found it just too difficult to run cycling events on Mount Panorama, it would be the amateurs in the mid-1970s that would get their juniors racing on the famous motor racing circuit. Here's highly regarded Bathurst Road and Track Champion Jim Burke, who rode with both the amateurs and the pros before becoming a Bathurst Cycling Club president. When I first started riding bike when I was 10, 11, 12, we used to have a lot of hill climbs up there. I used to go from the hump on Mountain Straight up to on the racetrack itself. Uh, that was a pretty regular thing, and I remember it fairly clearly because we, yeah, in those days, we had the old, I think it was under 14s, under 72 gear, under 16s, 81, so that's what we had to ride. The club used to run those at least once a year or twice a year, I reckon, back in the early 70s. The only other thing was there was a tour sponsored by 2BS. Might have only happened once. We came over from Mudgy through Safala. We finished with two laps of the mount. <laughs> so it seems the pro cyclists may have got their opportunity to race on Mount Panorama back in the late 1970s in a tour or maybe tours sponsored by the local radio station 2BS. Firstly, to celebrate the purchase of Mudgee and later young radio stations. It seemed these events had quite a profile, with well-known local radio announcer Kerry Peck calling the action live on 2BS. Here is Bathurst Pro Champion of the 1960s, Jeff Rice. Do you know of any bike events on Mount Panorama while you were racing? No, none at all. Not when I was going around, no. Kerry Hool in the late 70s put a race from Mudgee over to Bathurst and at one stage believed that was doing two laps around the mount when it came into town. But that was that was well after you'd sort of finished. That, uh, if you went from Mudgee to Bathurst, that must have been that tour they had that time. Yeah, that, that would have been when um, what was the show yeah. Sutton was in. I, I tell you who followed it was uh, Kerry Peck. Really? Yeah, I, I think he may have followed the whole race. I forget where it went and finished up at. That, that would have been a, a pretty tough race, Mudgy to Bathurst. There is little doubt, given their strong ties with Mount Panorama, that Campland Broadcasters Limited would have been very keen to use Mount Panorama in their 2BS MGLF cycling tour. 
However, as two-times Australian professional road champion Kerry Hull points out, getting permission to use Mount Panorama for the celebration of buying the young radio station was a difficult task. In fact, that tour faced a number of other dramas after drawing an excellent field when the race was advertised as the richest pro cycling race in the state. come into Bathurst was to actually do a lap of the mount or something at the finish. Well, they, were, they wanted it. Oh, TBS uh, the wanted police, it. Yeah, it just was too hard. Ah. Too hard to uh, organise. You did look to try and get use of the Mount Panorama. Yeah, yeah we, well, we, that was one of the things we sort of said in the early stages and they just said, oh, you've you got to finish, like on the edge of town. Yeah, it's been really difficult to get any sort of use of Mount Panorama for bike racing, especially like that. That was a big race. Like, I think you had Shane Sutton and a few of those guys. Yeah, Shane Sutton rode it. You wouldn't even train around the mount. No. It just wasn't used, was it, really? It was cars. No, no. I don't know of any races up until they did this panorama pedal. Martin Whiteley ran, but uh, yeah, he 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 was the only time that ever that I I know that they ever rode around here. He did it as a charity ride and all sorts of things to get through council. And he also got some car drivers to back him up. Colin Bond, who was the car driver, he, he pulled a lot of strings to be able to get use of them out. But uh, up until then, it seems like it was impossible. So after 40 years of intense discussion with council, both the amateur and pro cyclists of New South Wales had very little success with getting cycle racing on Mount Panorama outside the inaugural 1939 Amateur Cycling Grand Prix. It's hard to believe then that a Sydney schoolboy would come to Bathurst in 1979 and not only create an annual event that would attract national and Olympic champions, but would open the floodgates for cycling at the motor racing circuit and would also kickstart his sports management career that would take him to the top of world cycling. So the question is, how did a 17-year-old Martin Whiteley open up Mount Panorama to cycling? Well, firstly, he had a cause and he also had a passion for the place. It all started at Mount Panorama. How about we jump back to that? Because it started way back in about 79 or something. You must have been so young the yeah, first time. Yeah, 79. So uh, when I was 15 and a half, there was a, there was a, a famine in Campuchia. It was known in the time. And, and people were coming up with different ideas to raise money for it. And uh, the two things I really loved were motor racing and bike riding. And at that age, I couldn't drive a car. 
and I was fascinated by Mount Panorama. It was something that my father, when when I was four, I believe, in 1968, he said, in our house, this is the religion. First weekend of October, Mount Panorama. You will watch this in your pyjamas all day, and this is what we'll do. And I did that with him, in my PJs, right through to when I left home, every, every Sunday, uh, for Sunday of October. And... For us, that was something, you know, we would have the list of entrants out of the newspaper, a car would crash, I would ride the strike it off the list. You know, as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, I was following every single race and knew every driver. And, you know, they used to have a lunchtime break and mum would prepare a big lunch and then she'd sit down and watch the rest of the afternoon with us uh, before it used to go all through the day. So for me, it was a fascinating stretch of road. And we went there one time. I think as a family camping to watch the Easter races. So there were car racing in Easter, and we went there, but we never actually went to what it was, the Hardy Ferrota 500 at the time. And so for me, the idea of going there and to organize a bike race to raise money was a pretty cool idea. And a couple of friends at school helped me start typing letters, and back then you had to type letters on a typewriter and do them one at a time, and we would do 200 letters and we would get them out to anyone, the CEO of Lifesavers, the CEO of Hardy Ferrato, anyone. And I think they just saw us as something kind of naive and cute, and they would send us a check for $25 or $50. And it started as that, and, and it wasn't until we got up there to Mount Panorama, having got permission to, to close off the S's and get permission from the council and from the Australian Racing Drivers Club to use their, their, their venue, that we realised what we got ourselves into. And it's, massive mountain and we 50 times around Mount Panorama is the same altitude gain as Mount Everest it's 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 an enormous place to ride a bike and we were kids on 10 speeds I mean just supermarket bikes we weren't professional road racers or anything we were just kids out to raise money and uh, our original idea was to do the same number of laps as the cars in teams of two just like the drivers and so we were playing to 163 laps and I think 20 laps into it we all agreed it should be 100 so we cut the race, and um, and that's how we got the name, you know, Panorama Petal 600, because we'd do 600K. And, uh, yeah, it was, you know, I remember there were no really good bike fights back then. This is a 24-hour race, and we were actually strapping Dolphin Ever-Ready torches onto the front of the handlebars to see our way down an unlit track. And we were getting up to 119 kilometers an hour, um, police radar checked, you know, on pretty basic equipment. So it was it was odd pioneering time, but it really cut my teeth in logistics planning, race organising, media, all that stuff. And we did it, I think, probably through to eighty four or eighty five. You you wouldn't know. So teenage event promoter Martin Whiteley had taken a much different approach to getting permission to use Mount Panorama. Firstly, he recognised motorsport as a stakeholder in the circuit, seeking approval from them before going to local authorities, going as far as to get the backing of high-profile race drivers Bob Morris and Colin Bond, both Bathurst great race winners and car racing royalty. Secondly, he distanced himself in that initial 1979 event from traditional cycle road racing and focused on it being an endurance pedal event to fit in with the Mount Panorama theme. This allowed him to seek a partial race closure at the S's and therefore avoiding charges for the full track hire. 
Of course, running the event to make money for the Campuchian Relief Charity Fund also helped. But this was an initial goal for the event well before he started working on seeking approval for the 1979 Panorama Pedal 600. After four decades of trying to get access to Mount Panorama for cycling, a Sydney schoolboy had succeeded. In fact, he not only got permission, but he got the council involved, with Mayor Max Hanrahan on hand at a couple of the early events to drop the starters flag. 17-year-old Martin Whiteley had brought cycling to the mountain. grew quickly, starting out as an endurance event in 1979 and quickly developing into a race on the New South Wales Cycling Federation calendar in the mid-1980s. Whiteley again showed his promotional expertise, getting a one-lap cycling demonstration event around Mount Panorama in front of the TV cameras and a huge live audience before the start of the 1983 Bathurst 1000 car race. The Panorama 600 had become recognised as a real test of endurance, with the local media in 1983 reporting that the Guinness Book of Records was investigating the race as the world's longest circuit stage road race for bicycles. Consisting of 100 laps, the Panorama 600 was actually 617 kilometres long. Copying the motor race co-driver format, the bicycle race was actually contested with two rider teams, the competitors coming into the pits to tag their partner into the race. Amazingly though, in the first couple of events there were some solo competitors, with Bob Day the first man to attempt the event solo, and Martin Whiteley himself riding solo in 1982. Whiteley was actually organising the event and riding it in the early years, combining with Dave McIntosh in a team they called the Hardy Ferrodo team to win the first two 100-lap bicycle events on Mount Panorama, before Central Coast riders Steve Wickham and Brett Casey won the next two events, recording a 100-lap record of 25 hours and 10 minutes in 1982. 
Brett Casey again won in 1983, this time with Peter Brown, while Markovac and Spies were the victors in 1984. The Panorama Pedal 600 was a Pro-Am event in 1985 and on the state racing calendar with former pros Jim Burke and Mark Windsor taking the title and setting a new 100 lap record of 23 hours, 13 minutes and 55 seconds which still stands today. By the mid-1980s, Martin Whiteley had become a very busy cycling administrator, working as CEO of Australian Cycling Federation and a key administrator with the new discipline of mountain biking, with Whiteley running the first ever mountain bike nationals at Zafala, north of Bathurst. We will deal with Martin Whiteley's amazing rise from a schoolboy cycling promoter at Mount Panorama in 1979 to a key figure in world cycling at the Sydney 2000 Olympics in another podcast. But in the meantime, here's Martin briefly talking about his climb through the cycling administration ranks. We suggested to... It was FIAC at the time um, that someone from Australia needed to be on the rules committee for setting up this new discipline called mountain bike, and um, he, he put my name up, and, and I think in 89 I went to the first meeting in France, and so we, you know, I got to know the mountain bike commission at that point, and, um, and pretty much worked on the mountain bike commission either professionally or as a volunteer for, for 20 years, so, you know, we, we wrote the first rule book, and so it was, it was, um, yeah, there was, a, there was an opportunity there. With Martin Whiteley not only a key figure with the Australian Cycling Federation, but also president of the Australian Mountain Bike Association and quickly becoming involved with world mountain bikes with the UCI, it's not surprising the Panorama Pedal was about to change to a mountain bike event going into the 1990s and feature on the national AMBA calendar. But that's not before a one-day 50-lap format was trialled on the road bikes in 1986. Greg Clifton had just returned from the World Pro Road Championships in Switzerland to join Mark Windsor in the Bathurst team, and the pair fought off a challenge from Coffs Harbour team Glenn Price and Trevor Sharp, and Englishman John Cosgrove with Rob Stevens. Clifton and Windsor recording a quick 10 hours 51 20 seconds for the 50 laps, while a time trial up the Mount Panorama circuit to Reed Park before the Panorama pedal was won by English national road champion Dennis Lightfoot in 6 minutes and 1 second. The Mount Panorama cycling event missed a couple of years while Whiteley re-established it as a mountain bike race. This certainly had head scratching given the full hot mix racing surface. However, Whiteley had picked up good sponsorship from Myata Bikes and Hutchison Tyres who had just launched a slick mountain bike tyre which all competitors used in the event. The big prize money for the 1991 Myata Mountain Classic attracted a quality field including national champions Werner Waldrop and Ewan Gully and Olympic champion Cathy Watt in the women's section. Back from the Junior World Mountain Bike Championships in Italy, the Victorian team of Ewan Gelly and Stephen White looked the team to beat on day one of the 1991 Myata Mountain Classic, with Gelly taking the prologue stage. However, in the 33-lap Mount Panorama main race, experience counted, with four-times national champion Werner Waldrop and Newcastle legend Rob Hadley battling it out with the local champs Mark Windsor and Darren Covington, with the local team again the victors completing the 33 laps in seven hours, two minutes, minutes and eight seconds ahead of Waldrop and Hadley with Gelly and White third in front of the then national champion silver medalist John Guy riding with Hamish Guy. 
certainly a high-profile female presence on Mount Panorama in 1991, with Olympic champion Kathy Watt teaming up with Jane McDonald after she podiumed in the 1991 National Time Trial Championships. Other females entering the Miata Classic included triathlon champion Louise Bonham, Teresa Harvey and Anna Ward. As expected, Watt and McDonald were impressive, finishing the top female team, completing their 33 laps in 7 hours, 13 minutes, 57 seconds and finishing 12th overall. In 1992, the Mount Panorama race changed names to the Hutchison Mountain Bike Classic, but remained the same format. Darren Covington teamed up with Sydney cyclist Peter Clayton. The pair rode well to the final stages when three times national hill climb champion Damien Grundy and 1992 national bronze medalist from the cross-country nationals Mick Jamison were too strong, winning in 7 hours, 15 minutes and 29 seconds. Covington and Clayton second in front of another national cross-country champion Graham Albin riding with Victorian Travis Tem. You were really serious into your uh, mountain biking, but you still run the race again in 86. A couple of British riders, Dennis Lightfoot turned up. It was a good race, but it had a bit of a break sort of after that, and you brought it back as the uh, Miata Mountain Classic and the Hutchison Mountain Classic. And you had Australian champion after Australian champion involved in 91 and 92. And Kathy Watt, an Olympic champion, involved in those races. They were amazing races, those ones in the early 90s. Yeah, that was something a bit different where really we were trying to, you know, again, promote mountain biking, but to show that those things could be used anywhere, you know, as a city commuter or off-road and and they were making slick tyres for mountain bikes, so why not race on slick tyres? And so every entrant got their tyres given to them for free by Hutchinson, and so you, you had to run those tyres. So in a bit like Formula One, everyone had the same brand of tyre, and you had to run that tyre, so it was good marketing for them. It was to show that mountain biking was, was versatile, use it as a city commuter or, or, or go off-road, and um, it ignited the imagination of a few people. So I, I was quite surprised that it went that well and uh, again it was just combining you know what I loved doing at the time something a bit different something no one else was doing but I still really believe in that team of two concept and even though Dave McIntosh and I did 100 laps together I barely saw him because I'd come in and we'd tag and he'd go off Mm. but we'd spend you know how many hours it was trying to win a race but we never saw each other but there was that camaraderie of having done it together and Mm. and achieved something so I, I really liked the Combinate, you know, they talk about cycling being a, an individual sport in some way because it is. You can go and truck on your own or you can go in groups, but it can be an individual sport. But in the end, it is a team sport. The, the Tour de France is completely a team sport, and, and, and I thought this was a way of you know having, having a team of two, something that wasn't really common at the time. Oh, oh for so, sure. And there were so different riders, too. Like, uh, we had Werner Waldrop, who's like a <laughs> Like a, a great a champion at the time, uh, racing with Rob Hadley, who was a um, you know a, a legend from Newcastle on the road. Those yeah. two together, like uh, completely sort of different, but great bike riders. And and then those young guys, uh, Gully and uh, Stephen White and John Guy. And then you had a couple of old roadies like myself and Darren Covington. And and we're all so different, but it, the diversity of that group. And you know, trying to get a message to your partner just in pit straight, you had about five seconds to talk to him. It was an amazing concept. Yeah, and, and I, because I don't, I don't believe in clicks. You know, I think 
just because you ride road doesn't mean you you don't show an interest in in, in track or BMX or, or mountain bike. You can you can appreciate all forms of cycling. And so to see guys crossing over, which at, back in those days that wasn't a common term to use, um, but they were they were moving away from riding in the Alps or, or down in Threadbow and then racing around Mount Panorama on snow tires or against road riders. And so to me that was. A really big part. I'm disappointed to see what's happened with mountain biking in Australia since those years because to separate the organisations doesn't make sense. You really need to be under one umbrella and work together and, and allow people who love cycling to choose the disciplines within that family. If they want to do road riding and mountain biking and take their kids to BMX, then it's all part of the same thing. And and for me, that's you know, it's a cycle family. It's not it's not click. So I. I was always looking for ways of doing crossover and bringing people in from different factions to meet others and say, look, we've got one thing in common, we love riding bikes, and that's the bottom line. And uh, you know, bikes has given me everything in my life. Kathy Watt and Jane McDonald won the female section that mm-hmm. year, and that was a bit of a major coup to get Kathy up to a race like that, which she must have been scratching her head thinking, what am I doing again? And uh... and if you ask her now, she probably still wonder what she was doing. But <laughs> at, at the time, you know, she... You know, she she was very open to new ideas, and um, we worked well together. You know, she was she was for some people a difficult woman to work with, but I found her as the executive director at the time of Cycling Australia very easy to work with. You know, she was look a lot of a lot of very talented riders are a little bit special in that they're single-minded and they can come across as aloof or cold or they're determined, committed, they're not easily distracted. And uh, and so, you know, some people take that the wrong way, but Kathy was a very determined, single-minded athlete. And you, you, if you gave her an idea and she was into it, she would commit to it. She wouldn't wait. She just says, yep, I'm going to do that, and she would go do it. And so, yeah, we, we got along well, but I know that she had issues with other people within the Federation, but at the time, you know, she was our first Olympic gold medalist in road cycling, and, and that should be, you know, cherished. So, you know, she was... She's a legend and yeah. can, can still go and talk to groups and seminars as an Olympic gold medalist. That will never be taken away. Yeah, it was wonderful to have her then. And, and you must have been getting so busy in 92. I don't know how you you run the race again, but again, an amazing feel with Damien Grundy teaming up with Mick Jamison to, to beat uh, the road riders, Peter Clayton and Darren Covington, but Graham Alvin, another national champion there in third place. Like, uh, it, amazing field again. Uh, but you must... How did you get the time to do all this stuff? Um, I... Honestly, when you put it all like that, I don't really know. I do know there were many nights that I was in the Federation office typing licenses for the Fat Tire Flyers because Amber didn't have an administrative structure and the licenses had to be hand-typed. And I'd be sitting there typing up 80 or 90 licenses at 11 o'clock at night, go home, be back in at work at 7.30 in the morning and just keep going. And But I've never felt like it was work. It's always been enjoyable to me, like... To, to have an idea and then see 100, 200 people turn up to do that idea, it's, it's like you've thought of something that's affected their lives that day. They would not have done that if you hadn't come up with this idea. And so it's a privilege and, and, and also I have, I have to give them something worthwhile. So, I, yeah, you know, organizing the National Mountain Bike Series, we started that in 1990, I think, 91, and... You know, on top of all the ACF work and, and Olympic teams and everything, yeah, I really do not know how. And we didn't have things like email and uh, 
easy stuff back then. We had to type and, and do stuff by, by hand. And so, yeah, I really do not know. Well, I have to congratulate you. For me to be involved, they're amazing races, and it's a, it's a special part of the mountain. Whiteley had run events on Mount Panorama for almost one and a half decades. He had tried different things and he brought together different types of cyclists, cyclists that would not normally race together, but had all heard of Mount Panorama and thought they'd have a go. Here's two times Australian downhill champ, Ewan Gelly, who is now a high quality frame builder in Melbourne and finished on the podium with Stephen White in 1991. Australian champion downhiller a couple of times and but you also finished second in the, the mountain bike uphill national title as well. Yeah, yeah, they when they had that as an event. Yeah. Where where did they run that? Uh that was um Canberra. I'm trying to think the one out west, whatever that was called, where eighty eight and eighty nine was run. And um I mean it wasn't a bad event because it just got steeper and steeper and steeper and in the era of toe clips and straps you had to be able to stay on the bike. And I think Werner won it. You could go uphill and you could go downhill, so you'd be very suited doing laps around Mount Panorama. I think it was fitness plus that technical ability what got me through then. The other guys in there were pretty slick. Like you just mentioned, Warner, he was uh, he was racing with Rob Hadley and you were racing with um, Stephen White. You'd come back from overseas from memory. We went to the Worlds in Italy, but I'm trying to think if that was the year. Can you remember much about Mount Panorama? Yeah, I, re- I do remember, like, because I'd seen the course before and I was wondering what, what it'd be like on the bike. And the, I'm trying to think what it's called, the Big Dipper. Yes, yep. is where it drops yep. an enormous amount. That was fun to uh, keep more of my speed through that than people that were a bit more timid. And then um, down on Rod Strait, lap after lap of refining your, your um, aero tuck, you know, spread across the track. You had all this time to compare aerodynamic position against the person beside you and just um, just energy saving ultimately. From memory, we were hitting 100 k's an hour down there, but I don't know, some, that was somebody's speedo on their bike and who knows if that was accurate, but it felt pretty fast. You were right about the dipper. The dipper was a was something that scared a lot of people and I think there was a couple of falls that year. A couple of people actually fell off in the dipper and then the last one, Forest Elbows, like a blind corner which freaks a few yeah. people out and... Uh, Clearly, you were going down the hill pretty quick. <laughs> that was always, always my thing. I, I knew it would psych people out, and I'd just rip through it just to let them see. Once you do that a few times, most people won't follow you. Bit of fun. Like, because it's not, a, it's not an advantage that you kept. Like, people would catch you up down the hill, and you wanted them to. Well, talking on my side, like, I clearly knew that there was no point in trying to match you or anything down the hill, but we couldn't afford to be with you the last time coming down the hill. Yeah, so um, it was an interesting race because it was a mountain bike race, but really it was a road race. Martin Whiteley had moved on to other cycling opportunities, but his events at Mount Panorama had opened up the course to other cycling events, with the local club running a hill climb championship on the course and also criterium events on the service roads around the circuit. Mount Panorama had become a venue for junior development and club racing, and as Martin Whiteley's cycling promotions disappeared, they were replaced by a giant junior cycling tour based at Mount Panorama in 1995, which attracted many of Australia's top cycling prospects to Bathurst into the 2000s. 
In actual fact, it was a local hockey coach that encouraged the Bathurst Cycling Club to think big with the two-day junior tour. Kevin Shute organised sponsorship with the Bathurst RSL Club to make the Mount Panorama Junior Tour a major event on the Cycling New South Wales calendar. With racing for under-9s through to under-17s, the Bathurst RSL two-day junior tour was won by a number of Australia's future international performers, including Ben Brooks, Chris Sutton, Dean Winter, Tom Palmer, Chris Pascoe, Richard Moffat and Tour de France stage winner Heinrich Hausler. While some of the female winners included world champion Kate Bates, Kate Nichols, Youth Olympic gold medalist Meg Windsor, Com Games gold medalist Megan Dunn in 2000, and a rider that would change the face of women's pro racing across the world, Rochelle Gilmore, winning in 1996 and 97. A couple of metres to go, Gilmore in yellow is trying to move up on the outside. Now she unleashes the sprint and she's really going to push to the line. Gilmore takes it right on the line. The Mount Panorama Junior event was such a success that a formal sit-down presentation was introduced. Then, a live-in junior development camp based at Mount Panorama at Karingo Village. A couple of other Olympians that finished on the podium at the Mount Panorama Junior Tour were Mark Wrencher and Ben Kirsten. Here is Ben Kirsten from back in 2012, when he was back at Mount Panorama for the NAB B2B Bathurst Cycling Classic. Okay, B2B weekend 2012. One of our real big superstars here is Ben Kirsten. But Ben, a bit of a changing role for you at the moment. You're sort of moving into uh, mentoring. You've been up here at the camp as well. Yeah, I um, sort of joined, joined uh, Racing Kangaroos now as a, as a mentor, rider, director, mechanic. Mass Masua. <laughs> no, I just wanted to move home from overseas and, and wind it down a little bit and this is a perfect opportunity to work with the young kids and and give a little bit back and, and race a little bit also, but not very much. It's it's interesting too. Now, I can remember you racing up here on Mount Panorama pretty much as a kid in, a, in an amazing race up out on Pitt Strait. Can you remember that? Yeah, I, I vaguely remember going up here and I also remember that's why I've never been back to race here. <laughs> I think it scarred me for life going up that hill. So, uh, no, yeah, I'm, I've come back to the exact same camp where I started probably 16 years ago or more. So, um, yeah, it's come full circle. Full circle, but, but it's great to have you back involved because you can put something back, eh? Yeah, I hope so. I've got a lot out of it and made a lot of friends and um, it's given me a lot. So hopefully I can give a little bit back before I'm old and forgotten. <laughs> ben Kirsten in Bathurst in 2012. Worth noting after this 2012 Ben Kirsten interview, the next day he won the NAB B2B Long Course Grand Fondo that finished in the Mount Panorama Pits. The RSL two-day junior tour continued at Mount Panorama into the 2000s, when hard-working Bathurst Cycling Club Secretary Elaine Ryan jumped at an opportunity to run a women's event in Bathurst. Although the two-day women's tour would use a number of locations around Bathurst as well as Mount Panorama, it would take over from the junior tour and would grow into a national road series NRS event in 2006. Here's Teresa Gallagher, knee Ryan, who finished on the podium in these Mount Panorama events and would go on to win a national and Oceania championship medal herself before joining blind cyclist Lindy Hu on the tandem for the Paralympics. You went from the junior race up the mount into the women's race and then into the B2B and there's not too many people that have done that. When you look back on, on it, I'm just looking at the women's tour now and... Uh, 
right from the start, we've got Zoe Southwell, Matt Bates, Kate Nichols, and then you and Jess Ritter won two the next year with Leonie Aisbeth, and then Kate Nichols, Amanda Spratt, and you. Tiff Cromwell's another one there that I've just noticed as well. So you're, you're on the podium with some pretty hot riders there, aren't you, really? I know. When you look back at those names, I didn't realise it. Yeah, they've all been um, international riders. It went from about, you know, early 2000s to about 2006 when it was a round of the uh, National Road Series, which is pretty impressive as well. Yeah, well, we're trying to pick up from Foster's women's tour being dropped off the the women's calendar and so that's why we took it up for the Bathurst one and just kept plugging away every year trying to keep the momentum going and yeah then um for it to then merge you know even higher and to become part of the the b2b weekend it was good to see the progression you know my mum elaine ryan and myself you know we kept plugging away because we just wanted women's sport to keep going the nature of the courses up here are pretty tough so that generally brings the good riders as well they know they're going to have a great weekend so uh, you know, we we made the use of the mount and uh, being up, you know, 900 metres, I think it nearly is, so it's, um, it, it's hard on the breathing. So a Sydney rider coming up struggles a little bit with it too. So um, I think that's where the local knowledge is good to have behind you. You've gone really well in the hill climb. That's not a race that suits you. I have, yes. In um, the elite women, I even managed to podium up the hill, oh, I can't believe that, but I think that just comes back from um, my track uh, training with the tandem, just that grinding, big giddy thing, um, so that's what the hill climb, um, I could get up there with that, I think that was my backing for that year to get a place. And I will say though, you've spent time up there at the car race, working in the canteen, you are a, a Mount Panorama girl in some ways. Uh, yes, I am very proud of Mount Panorama actually being from Bathurst. If I went overseas um, and anyone wanted to know where I was from, I'd, I'd say, you know, Bathurst, three hours west of Sydney, the place where they have the big car races. And it would actually, you know, some people would pick up on that and, and recognise Mount Panorama. So, but yes, I've been up there every year since I've been alive. Besides the high-profile women's tour, the Bathurst region was awarded female state championships in 2002 and 2003. Then in 2004, the state men's road championships would also come to Bathurst after police banned road cycling events for a period in New South Wales. State cycling officials Alex Fulcher and Tom Scalander rushing to Bathurst to negotiate with Karen Taylor, who had been employed by the council to bring events to Mount Panorama. The 2004 Elite Men's and Under-23 State Road Championships would be held on the Mount Panorama precinct and would prove to be a very difficult course, going the reverse way up through the S's. But while the 2004 course was very tough, the 2005 course, which used the southern climb up Mount Panorama, was recognised as maybe the toughest course ever used for a New South Wales championship in over 100 years of racing, with most competitors having to walk up the climb at some stage during the race. The incredibly tough circuit suited a hard man. Clayton Smith amazingly won both titles. The 
field was impressive. Let's go to the 2004 one. You had like Peter McDonald, uh, Robert Hodgson, you know, Robbie Williams won the 23s. Robbie was only young, but he'd come back from Spain and he was riding for cyclenews.com overseas. Robert Hodgson was racing in Germany. Peter Peter uh, McDonald, of course, won an Australian title. You had really hard riders. The longer it goes on, the better it is for you in some ways, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. A single ascent wouldn't wouldn't have suited me so much for sure. I know that towards the end I don't slow down, so that was yeah, that was why I sort of approached it with confidence. Did you know much about Mount Panorama? Well, of course, I guess everyone knows about the the car race, but I could tell from watching the cars that it was pretty sharp, and I knew it was multiple laps, which um, changes things for people. You know, a lot of people can ride up a few times okay, particularly in a race when you're attacking on the on the hardest part of the course. I knew it would be a, a pretty uh, pretty tough race. Peter McDonald, he can scamper up a hill. How did you go trying to, to make sure you beat Peter in that in that race? Yeah, well, I, I remember that one because that one was different to 2005 in that we, we actually finished sort of on the finishing straight. I've never never been a sprinter and I certainly I didn't want to be at the finish with um with Peter or Rob yeah I remember trying to get rid of the other riders up the up the climb and I couldn't but I know too you know in that, those races once you the climb's finished and you're coming up for a sprint you can't worry about that you just got to focus on the sprint it sort of panned out well for me because I remember Rob going a bit early but that kind of set it up nicely for me I think it's just one of those periods in my career where I had confidence you know I knew I knew Peter was um going pretty well and a very good rider but I also just backed myself and um, yeah it worked out well That year you had to go backwards around the course so you went up the steepest part of the course up through the S's, up through the Dipper which were very steep and back down the other side but for the following year they actually put the climb on what we call the dump climb which is amazingly steep, in fact it was only you and Peter Hutt were the only guys to actually ride the whole course. We had people that finished on the podium that had to walk that climb. Yeah, and I guess what I was alluding to before, I mean, people can ride up when they're fresh, when you're going over it again and again and again. Yeah, if you haven't got the legs, it's sort of those, one of those climbs you don't really even need to attack towards the end. Part of the, the nature of that course too is you, you've got a very tough little climb, but then you've also got sort of flat, portion before you hit the climb again so I knew at the time it was no use sort of attacking getting a gap and then you just get caught again so I went on the second last time up the climb and then I had sort of had a bit of confidence that I could sort of hold a bit of a gap to the last one and it sort of worked out that way. Peter Hutton rode with you and uh, Joe McDonald but Peter he looked sensational that day as well and a teammate of yours. Yeah well Peter was one of those guys that had a, a, a beautiful sort of fluidity fluidity about his pedalling and always rode a high cadence. You know, those guys, they always make it look like they're, they're never suffering, you know? Even when he was in the hurt box, he looked like it was pretty easy. But yeah, he was a, a great teammate that day because um, Joe was pretty strong at that time. And um, when I did attack, of course, Peter could just sit on Joe for that, that lap. I mean, if it helped him, they would have caught me, I imagine. And then the way it worked, Peter sort of jumped on the last climb and, and pretty much caught me by the line. Yeah, he was a very, very talented rider. Certainly a very good rider. You've won two elite men's state titles, and that's an honour roll that goes back oh, well over 100 years. It's a piece of history. I don't know if you follow cycling history at all or anything, but that's a nice achievement. No, I do. You know, I, 
I I came to cycling a, a little bit late, I guess, as a lot of people do in Australia. You know, I raced in France and Belgium, and I had a year in Luxembourg, and especially that period, success is hard to come by. Yeah, I always dreamed of maybe winning Grafton or winning the, the Road Nationals. And I did, I won the a club nationals, they used to call it. I, I did win that and I came, I think, fourth at Grafton and Milk Race and Canberra. I, I won a few nice ones, but the, certainly the, the races that endure and that um, a lot of great riders have won over the years, it was certainly um, certainly something I was very proud of and um, yeah, remains remain so now. Uh, there's no doubt the fact that it was, it was Mount Panorama course added, added a lot to it. And I was excited. I remember before it, I wanted to, because I used to tr- you know, you'd try to research races and prepare specifically for them. I didn't have the chance to get out there before it, but I, I did try to watch some of the car races to see see what it was like. And I certainly was aware of the, the history with the car race. My dad was more of a car nut. No, there's no doubt that adds a lot to it. And I'm sort of a little bit sad that he didn't keep, that he didn't keep having the course there. You know? So there was plenty of quality cycling occurring in Bathurst in 2005-2006 with the state titles and even an NRS round occurring at the Mount Panorama precinct. And on top of that, the B2B Bathurst Cycling Classic Cyclo Sportif had been growing quickly, starting as the Orange to Bathurst or the O to B in 2004 and then the Blaney to Bathurst or the B2B in 2005. The 2006 event was significant as then joint promoters Rotary Club of Bathurst Daybreak and the Bathurst Cycling Club moved the finish of the event to Mount Panorama to join up with the hill climb and the criterium that were held the day prior. The B2B would grow into Cycling New South Wales' major event of the year, so we will not cover the details of its development here, but cover it in a separate podcast. However, we should tell the story of the first Mount Panorama B2B event, as the organisers plan to give the competitors the full Mount Panorama experience by putting the finish on the very top of the mountain. Feedback after the event wasn't good and it proved to be simply too great a challenge with the finish later moved back down to pit straight. However, the effort by Kurt Fernley and the Teresa Ryan-Lindy Hood tandem was certainly inspirational in those events. Here's Teresa talking of visually impaired Paralympic cyclist Lindy Hu and her effort to finish on the tandem in 2006-2007. We did it twice on the tandem the one finished on top of the mount. Kurt Fernley that year pushed a actual wheelchair the whole short course and then to get up through the oh, S's no. he had to turn it round and, and push up backwards. These amazing two stories like you've got the tandem like that's amazing when you look back. That race we had mechanical problems from where go in from Blaney and we got only five k's down the road and we, our gears just jammed and we rode that race without the last two gears on the tandem. So that meant we rode up Mount Panorama in probably like a 39-21, maybe something like that. So an incredibly hard gear. All I could think of was we can't go slower than 8k an hour or we'll fall off. So that was our goal, just to get up the hill. Like going through the dipper and that, because we went backwards through the S's that year on the tandem. It's not something where you could just suddenly put your foot down like on another bike. It would have been a matter that failed and fell off, wouldn't it? Oh, exactly. Because, yeah, we could not have 
safely got off that bike. So there was no way I was stopping, but um, I was scared for a bit. But once we got through the hardest part, first elbow was actually pretty tough, just coming out of there, and then the dipper. But yeah, otherwise, it was really good to get to the top of that hill. Well, it was a famous part of the B2B history. You and uh, Lindy going up through the S's, a huge thing. And we do know that Kurt raced that year as well. Yeah, Kurt had done it in his chair, so that's um, amazing to think of that. I think it's really good that those events let anybody have a go, so that's, that's a cool part of the, the whole thing about it. Dorcos 2007, Lachlan Morton won. I think we were yeah. more in the main bunch until we got to the mount. You come 18th overall in the short course. It was Lachlan Morton, Dave Connolly, Sam Spokes, Adam Phelan, Ethan Kermis. That's pretty up field. And you finished 18th overall, first female with Lindy together. Mm. So you obviously had a good day that day as well. We did pretty well. We climbed not too bad up through out of Newbridge, but we got dropped. But I remember this is the one where Steve-O followed us on the motorbike down the wall out of Newbridge and we clicked over 100k an hour down there because we were madly chasing to catch back up. Got down through there, then through Wimbledon, and then we caught the bunch back up at George's Plain. Winning the uh, short course women's course, what a great record that was on that tandem. We're on form that year, and so it was a good race. Besides talking about his race in the 2006 Blaney de Bathurst B2B event, Commonwealth Games flag bearer and Laureus World Sports Award finalist Kurt Fernley also talks here of his training on Mount Panorama after having grown up on the western side of Walu at Karkor. So Kurt, I am looking at doing the history of Mount Panorama and chasing up the 2006 B2B, which was the first time that finished on Mount Panorama. And when I say finished, it finished right on the very top. And uh, you crazily decided to do the event. Yeah, I remember knocking it out and seeing a real challenge in it. I'm, I'm pretty sure I did it in my hand cycle. There were some pretty handy riders in that race, and it's... It, it, it's always impressive when you go out to the bush, when you go out to, to Blaney, seeing the amount of people that actually love that race and the sense of community. It'd be a bit of adventure as well because you're going on some pretty wild hills. The challenge of getting to the top of the hill, part of the real sense of adventure. You enjoyed doing the race. It was tough, but you enjoyed doing the race. Yeah, mate, I loved it. I know that Richard Nicholson, another Paralympic athlete, went out there and did it. It's such a fun race, mate. It, it, it's a mixture of a, a race and then wild enough and tough enough to be adventure as well. Uh, you know, I love that. Yeah, you know, you feel like you're getting into Bathurst when you see the mountain with Mount Panorama on it. And it, it's 90% of the Australian population know Bathurst because of the mountain. And it's one of those things where you see a mountain, that doesn't change, you know. That doesn't change over years and decades and centuries. But you can test yourself on it. So you can go for a run-up, you can go for a bike ride-up. And that's the thing that holds you, there's, there's, there's no hiding, there's no making any excuses. You either do it as quick as what you did last time or slower, and the answer it points at you to see how much work you've done. But if I thought that I was weak, I would find parts of the mountain to put a bit of muscle on to, to build the power. So you were doing training sessions up there too? Yeah, mate. In the chair... It would take me about 26 minutes to go up, 
and then about four minutes to go come down. But it was it was a nice one when you could just pick different parts of the hill because the mountain is not like every part of it's not a ten degree climb. There's some quite gentle climbs as well. The traffic is usually pretty quiet, so it was a way that you could break down your training session and and go up there and, and test yourself really. I, I would like also to make the point to have everyone bundled in there together. And that that's special as well, isn't it? Yeah, mate, it was lovely. And we saw that by the time I got to the bottom of the mountain, there were half a dozen other cyclists who had already finished who had cycled back down and then cycled up with me and gave me a wheel, encouraged me along the way. Sport is a beautiful thing when it's able to get all the community in there and everyone working together. I also will say that at the time you were training with a cycle bunch at lunchtime and you would go out and we'd be averaging over 30k an hour and you'd be just in the bunch and we never really thought of you as anything else but another bike rider in the bunch. But by the same token, it must have been pretty hard. (laughs) It must have been incredibly hard. Well, it definitely changed all of my training there. So... Uh, when I went out to Bathurst and I started to do the lunch bunch, which is 30k, pretty much 30k in an hour every, every day. So, in the, 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 the max speed or the max average speed for our marathons is about 30k. So it, it sent me into a place where I had to train every day that was at more or less the, the absolute best in the world's pace. So you go out and you do that for three or four years and I came back and then really, it, it was one of the secrets of how I came back into Athens um, after Sydney, just a different athlete. Uh, the, the strength that I had, the endurance that I had, the ability to be able to recover from the standard training sessions, from the power sessions, was just so much better. You know, that's funny that Drew was at that first training session that I ever did and we would spend the next 15 years travelling together as part of the Paralympics. <laughs> he would become the team mechanic. He would cycle with me. He would cycle with me every morning and night and, and uh, I think that, that's, that's, again, he was the reason why I did go back to Blaney de Bathurst and the reason why I still want to do Blaney de Bathurst is because you get to do this adventure with your mates and, and then celebrate a, a day of accomplishment with the people that are, um, you know, buying into the whole thing as well. If I can finish on one more thing, and I, I want to tap into the the spirit of Mount Panorama, you would have spent some time with Brocky over the years as well at the Olympics and things like that? Yeah, I had one game with, with Brocky, 2000. And, yeah, it just so happened that Brocky was part of the team attaché and was... Uh, Assigned to be mine and Louise Savage's driver for an afternoon, so it was one of the uh, one of the nice old treasured memories to be driven around Olympic Park in Sydney as an eighteen year old kid by the legendary Peter Brock. It was a um, it was a real treatment. That mountain tells a lot more stories than just the race. You know, with the crit up the top, with the with the people. Coming from all around the place to get a photo from the top, you know, plenty of people doing jogs around the thing. That really is something that just keeps being reinvented. Starting from 2006, there'd be almost one and a half decades of race finishes at Mount Panorama for the B2B, which would grow to around 3,000 starters. 
But there was a big course change in 2020 when Tour de France legend Mark Renshaw returned home to redesign a new course which would start and finish in the centre of Bathurst but also include a full lap of the famous Mount Panorama circuit before going straight down Lloyd's Road and onto the racetrack's predecessor, the Old Vale circuit. Here is 10 times Tour de France rider Mark Renshaw. In the next segment of the Mount Panorama podcast, you can see the politics at play when a sporting event goes international. It may surprise people that the B2B Bathurst Cycling Classic was created with the plan of it becoming a world-recognised event. Back in the early 2000s, Bathurst Cycling Club president went to South Africa to the legendary mass participation Cape Town Argus cycling event. The club appointed a participation officer who would engage with the local Rotary Club with the goal of creating a Bathurst round of what was then called the Golden Bike World Series with the UCI Grand Fondo World Series to appear some years later. The Bathurst Cycling Club would pass full control of the event to the Rotary Club who would eventually hand on ownership to the Council and Cycling New South Wales. The B2B Bathurst Cycling Classic was elevated to UCI Grand Fondo World Status in 2017. Here's an excited Bathurst Mayor Gary Rush making the announcement in a windy Bathurst Kings Parade. It's then followed by the CEO of Cycling New South Wales, Phil Ayres. It's sanctioned by UCI and it will be one of two qualifying events for the upcoming World Championships or the World Championships in August uh, next year in Albi in France. So to think that uh, Bathurst uh, now becomes the centre of uh, one of two Australian qualifying events is great news uh, for the sport of cycling here in Bathurst. But it's also great news for Bathurst generally and the region generally. Uh, because this event has the ability to really build upon uh, the already well-established event which we know as the B2B. This is not really a spectator event, but a participation event. And that's what attracts council, isn't it? We're talking about numbers, just people coming and getting involved. Yeah, it's, look, for councils, it's all about visitation, and it's about um, how many room nights um, they're able to secure and how much spend of people in cafes and restaurants and, and all sorts of things. So these types of events are tremendous for councils because we're talking about thousands of people coming to town. Uh, bringing their money with them and spending it here in, in, in Bathurst. The way the Bathurst Cycling Classic was elevated to the World Series is a bit unconventional, as in fact the council and local cyclists were in discussion with CA to get the Australian Road Championships at Mount Panorama. With the bid failing in the final stages, the council jumped at an opportunity to put the B2B on the UCI World Series. Here is Mark Renshaw, who had made it very public that he's a believer the Nationals should be moved around. You got involved with Gary Rush and the Council at trying to um, bring the Road Nationals to Bathurst for 2017 and pretty much looked like you got it at one stage. No, we were very close to um, securing the Nationals. 
national titles here in Bathurst and a uh, really great shame that it didn't end up coming. Um, the Cycling Australia decided to keep it in Victoria, so it would have been great for the Central West and Cycling in New South Wales. I think it would have, uh, would have given us really boost. After missing out, they gave us a round of the World Grand Fondo Series. As Cycling New South Wales CEO Phil Ayres had earlier stated, having a Grand Fondo World Qualifier in Bathurst wasn't a bad option for the local council. And in fact, the long-running Mount Panorama Hill Climb State Championship was also acknowledged as a qualifier for the individual World Age Group Type Trial Championships. This was nice recognition for the Mount Panorama event that may not have been the best course for a pure climber, but it had established itself on the New South Wales Championship calendar for one and a half decades and now has been a part of the World Series for four years. In 2020, the UCI World Grand Fondo Series manager Erwin Verwegen was in Bathurst to hand out the UCI World Series stage winners jerseys to the category winners of the B2B road race and the Mount Panorama Hill Climb time trial stages. We talked to Erwin about the prestige and significance of these events. Erwin also nervously mentioning the coronavirus, which would stop all cycling in Australia and the world the very next day, making those 2020 UCI Series winner jerseys pretty special. Till 2010, and then the year I retired, I started uh, as a manager of the series. At the beginning with seven events, and now we are already at 29 plus the world championship. So the concept is uh, a copy of the, the concept of Ironman. Huh? You have to qualify somewhere worldwide by finishing in your age group, and for us it's 20% first. It used to be 25, but because it's growing so fast, and the, the numbers uh, at the start at the different age groups uh, at the world championships are. are yeah, getting too too high. Uh, we decided to lower it to twenty percent. Um, so uh, and for next year, yeah, new events come up. Uh, there's only now a big problem with the uh, yeah, corona. Huh? The establishing of Mount Panorama as a long-time state hill climb championship has certainly allowed a benchmark to be set, with some of Australia's best cyclists on the honour roll for the race up the mountain, which uses the service roads on the northern side of Mount Panorama. Two special riders have held the record for climbing up the mountain for many years, Australian champions Amanda Spratt and Peter MacDonald. Setting records in the mid-2000s, they would not be challenged for over one and a half decades with multi-world pursuit champion Rebecca Wyzak finally bettering Spratt's time in 2019 to take the Queen of the Mountain title. While in the male titles, Michael Potter, Ben Dybor, Liam McGuinness, Ben and Sam Hill and Adam Phelan have all broken the eight and a half minutes for the climb up Mount Panorama, but are all well short of Aussie champ Pete McDonald's long-time record set in 2007. But while there is plenty of data for the times for climbing up the northern side of Mount Panorama, the record for the lap of the famous motor racing circuit is more difficult to establish, as generally for a record to be official, it should be part of a recognised race and organised by a recognised authority. And as this podcast is explained, cycling racing on Mount Panorama motor racing circuit has been conducted by a variety of promoters using a variety of formats. 
That said, Arthur Bennett's performance in 1939 to ride two laps in 24 minutes 55 seconds looks to be the initial benchmark for cycling on Mount Panorama Circuit for some 40 years. Press reported at the time that Arthur Bennett had rode the race of his career, which is high praise given he had been the Bathurst amateur champion for the last two years. It's worth mentioning that Arthur Bennett was part of a family dynasty of local Bathurst cycling champions, with five Bennetts racing in the amateur club at the time, two of which were Arthur's brothers. Meanwhile, over in the Bathurst Pro Club, Arthur's cousin George Bennett was the Bathurst cycling champion. And before him, George's brother Mick Bennett was the Bathurst Pro champion of the early 1930s. Here's Mick Bennett's grandson, Damien Bennett, himself a rider and vice president of the current Bathurst Cycling Club and father of the next generation of cycling Bennett's, Eliza, an Oceana junior champion and maybe the first female to make the podium in a Bathurst A-grade cycling championship. Arthur Bennett was my grandfather's cousin. I actually, I, I know her well, 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 Bugger, he, he's passed away, but he, um, he moved to Penrith, he was in Penrith, and when I went to uni, I actually stayed with them for the two years I was in Penrith, was boarding at their house. Really? I'm doing a thing on the history of Mount Panorama, and um, yep. so Arthur stayed with the amateurs, and he, he got fastest time in the first race ever around Mount Panorama. An amazing time. He did two laps round there in about 25 minutes. Oh, that time would stand up now. That's an amazing time. So, What's the track doing? How does it feel there? The amateurs were really quite clever. The pros tried to run a race in 1937, and it was all dirt, which would have been ridiculous. But in 1939, the amateurs rode this race round there, and the track had just been sealed. And uh, he came third, uh, he, but he got the fastest time. He was a scratch marker. And... Put Arthur Bennett's ride into perspective, he could have made the top three, certainly the top five, in the 2020 Mount Panorama stage of the CA Full Gas Tour of Australia. It's a staggering thought. Firstly, Arthur's time on that old 1930s equipment, and secondly, how much the world has changed in this 2020 COVID-19 period. Could you imagine trying to explain to Arthur Bennett, 80 years after his Mount Panorama race, that his ride would be compared to cyclists riding the Mount Panorama course at home in front of screens? As you would expect, Martin Whiteley's events would then provide a real opportunity to have a crack at the Mount Panorama lap record. In fact, aware of the promotional significance of the Mount Panorama cycling record, Whiteley got a national television network to sponsor the one-lap time trial, with the fastest lap carrying the prestigious Channel 7 King of the Mountain trophy. Martin Whiteley himself would set the fastest lap in 1979, then Newton taking the King of the Mountain trophy in 1980, recording 13 minutes 27 seconds. Brett Casey finally breaking Arthur Bennett's 1939 record in 81, recording 12 minutes and 9 seconds for the one lap. Co-organiser Patrick Wilford was the first rider to break the 12 minutes in 1983, while M. Begg was fastest in 1984, before Mark Windsor recorded 11 minutes 39 seconds to take the King of the Mountain trophy in 1985. 
State Criterium champion Greg Clifton winning the standing one-lap time trial in 1986 in 11 minutes, 26.55 seconds to take the Channel 7 trophy. While that year the Windsor and Clifton team broke the 11-minute barrier during the race, recording 10 minutes, 56.3 seconds. In 1991, Werner Waldrop set the fastest lap on the mountain bike in the Miata Mountain Classic. The exciting news recently in regard to Mount Panorama lap times is by Mark Renshaw adding a full lap to the 2020 B2B Bathurst Cycling Classic, an opportunity exists to have a crack at the lap record using cycling apps such as Strava or electronic timing to record the lap time as riders go on and off the Mount Panorama course. While opinions could be divided on whether this system could be used officially to acknowledge a Mount Panorama lap time, it's certainly an issue this podcast would like authorities to consider. The 2020 Mount Panorama lap times assume the fastest competitors all use Strava and publicise their times. Plus they may lack some credibility due to nothing being said about a Mount Panorama time split prior to the race. However, that said, the 2020 fastest times were new cycling records for the Mount Panorama circuit. Fastest overall, Gene Richards and Campbell Jones in 10 minutes 38 seconds, just in front of Sam Hill with a 10.39. The fastest female, Jessica Mitchell in 12.51 in front of Nicole Wilson and Lauren Ambrose Walker with a 12 minute 52 seconds. While the actual cycling records remain debatable, there is a thing called unofficial records, which also exist on Mount Panorama for the cars. In fact, these performances can sometimes be the most spectacular, and free of the constraints of bureaucracy, they can sometimes provide the greatest stories. In car racing, the official lap record for the Mount Panorama circuit battles with the two-minute barrier, but unofficially, in 2011, this was absolutely smashed. It was midweek, there was no race on, and there was an air of excitement. For in Bathurst, racing is important. I was one of thousands that turned up to see a promotional event that brought together a couple of champions, Craig Lowndes and Jensen Button, to the mountain. I slipped up the top to see the British star get his first look at the S's. Honestly, I will not forget the first time that McLaren Mercedes Formula One car burst over the top of Skyline with a TV helicopter no more than 20 metres above it. Virtually in shock, I scrambled down to Forest Elbow to be by myself and watch Jensen Button's hot lap. 1 minute 48 seconds. Unbelievable. I actually recorded the sound of that lap. Listen to the speed of that McLaren as it disappears down Conrad Strait. about unofficial cycling records on Mount Panorama. Around the time of the F1 promotion, Bathurst had a number of riders with UCI Pro contracts, and when they all came together in the off-season, there would be some impressive training sessions. Dean, Blair, Mark, all sharing fastest times on Mount Panorama till we formally decided not to acknowledge or even time the sessions any further. However, there was one unofficial time that is regularly discussed, partly because of the number of people that turned up to witness it, and also its connection to a story in world cycling. The 
Renshaw-Cavendish combination are the most successful sprint team ever in world professional road cycling. However, in 2017, a glandular fever and a controversial fall in the Tour de France made it a very quiet year for the super sprinter Mark Cavendish. Hoping to get things back on track, Cavendish pinpointed the Dubai Tour at the start of February 2018 to get that elusive first win. Of course, this impacted on the pre-season training for the Bathurst champ, the world's greatest lead-out man, Mark Renshaw. With both the Tour Down Under and Cadell's race used for conditioning to prepare for the important reunion of Renshaw and Cavendish in Dubai. After a top 10 ride in the People's Choice Preview event in Adelaide, Mark Renshaw focused on building fitness in the Tour Down Under. However, then made a quick trip back to Bathurst to test his legs on Mount Panorama. It was a rare opportunity for the locals to see the champ close to race trim ahead of the Dubai event, and it didn't disappoint, with Renshaw putting in a super climb up the mountain to miss breaking the 10-minute barrier on Mount Panorama by a mere one second. A training session you did in 2018, you had great form, you were getting ready for the Tour of Dubai and that came after Mark Cavendish's crash in the Tour de France and glandular fever, it was the first time you were back together so you wanted to have great form before the Tour of Dubai and, and we got to see a training session just before that on Mount Panorama. Yeah, no, I certainly had um, great form after the Tour Under that year, um, had the chance to come back to Bathurst and, and head up the mountain so... Um, no, I was really happy then. Cav ended up getting the win. I think he beat uh, Buhani and, and Kittle in that stage, so that come just after the Mount Panorama effort. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was certainly good form, and just get the chance to come back after two and under in, in good conditions at that time of year it does make a big difference as well. As for the future of cycling on Mount Panorama, the sky's the limit. Clearly, Mark Renshaw has shown the 10-minute barrier can be broken by a cyclist in an official cycling event on the track. Plus, the circuit was just used as Stage 3 of the first online virtual tour of Australia, allowing everyone the chance to race on the famous circuit. With a new path about to open with a 32% climb on it, don't miss the opportunity to go and check out Mount Panorama Walu for its beauty, for its history and its spirit. We leave the final word to Martin Whiteley, the man that brought cycling to Mount Panorama. But, you know, to hear that Mount Panorama is being used for, for cycling is amazing to me. I actually have a company here for, for the name of my house. It's actually the Panorama Pedal Company because that's where it all started for me. And the fact that I'm doing what I'm doing now in Europe all started from a crazy idea to run a bike race to raise money for starving people in, in Asia. It's a wonderful it Panorama. It's and, great. and my father sitting me down in front of the TV, I mean, my PJs are saying, this is what we do, this is our family, this is our, our big day of the year. And, uh, and I honestly look forward to it more than Christmas as a kid growing up. It just, it just affected me in such a way. So actually buried in the Armco somewhere is a time capsule that I left there in 99, which has got some original entry forms of Panorama Pedal 79 and some other bits and pieces. I have to remember where I put that, but somewhere in the tyre wall or somewhere up there at the top of the mountain, I buried it, so um, it's probably still there. You've left a little um, bit of spirit up there as well, then. There's a connection with it, there, you know, just... And, and Cadell's the same. Cadell gave me for my, 
my 50th birthday, the complete box set of, of uh, James Hardy 1000 uh, as, as a gift. And, you know, he's, he's totally into it. He's bought a Tirana XU1. He's good friends with the motor racing drivers. So, you know, we're both really into it. And so it's a place that's very important. And uh, I look forward to getting back there, that's for sure. You've been listening to Cycling New South Wales Heritage Commission's podcast. Thanks to Dried Arrangement for the music in this story. This is Heritage Commission Chairman Mark Windsor saying thanks for listening. Hours, minutes, seconds gone.